no matter how bad it looks or what it's not or what it should be, we're going to still count it all joy. And that's for changing your life with the word with Deborah Elam. Join us for an inspiring message from Deborah. Sometimes situations will come up in our lives. And we say, well, how did this come up? We're concerned about what's going on then knowing that we have the answer to any situation. And it's found in the name of Jesus. No matter how bad it looks or what it's not or what it should be, we're going to still count it all joy. And we're going to find out why we should count it all joy. So James, the first chapter and the second verse reads, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Well, when are you going to count it all joy? You count it all joy when you're in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the fight, when you're between the promise and the manifestation of the promise. You still count it all joy. That means everything in the middle is to be counted joyfully. Well, how? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And patience is just another word for endurance. So it's working something in us. The Lord's always trying to work something out of us and work something in us. He's trying to work out of us our old ways, our old habits, our old wrong way of thinking. He's trying to always work within us that his, his image, his likeness, his way of doing things, the way he thinks, the way he wants things done. So he's always trying to work in us. And one of the tools he uses is patience. And we know that faith and patience work together so we can inherit the promise. Another translation of this same scripture says, My brother and sister, when you have many kinds of trouble, you should be full of joy. Now, how can you be full of joy? you got all these things going on. I mean, the light bulbs, you, you know, telephone disconnect. I mean, people not acting right on your job. You're having trouble with your boss. You're having trouble with your finances. You're having trouble with trouble. With trouble. You know, what are you to do? It says you should be full of joy. Then that's in ironic because usually that's not the situation where you find things. Usually people going through situations, they're not going to be full of joy. They're full of sadness, full of grief, full of hardship. And they're wondering like, why is this happening to me? And what can I do to relieve this pressure? What can I do to get out of this thing? But in the midst of it, it says you've got to have patience. Because you know that these troubles test your faith. And this will give you patience. It says, be glad, even if you have a lot of trouble. That's very hard for us to do. But if the Word of God has said it, and the Word of God has spoken it, then it must be possible for this to happen. Another translation read on to say, you know that you learn to endure to have having your faith tested. But you must learn to endure everything so that you will be completely mature and lacking in nothing. Amen. You know, joy and rejoicing, it, it strengthens you to keep the switch of faith turned on. Now, I brought this, um, this switch. I bought a switch because um, I want everybody to know, see this switch because just in case you didn't know,
one look like? It has two positions. It has off and it has on. And a switch is meant to be off or on. No, no middle ground. It's got to be off and it's got to be on. Off or on. Off or on. That's how a switch works. And when you keep joy in your life and strength comes, you keep your strength, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. you got to keep your strength, and that will keep that switch of faith turned on. That's how it works. Now, when it looks like it's not working, and when it looks like you're going, it's not go- you're not going to make it, and it looks like the answer is not going to come, and it looks like the miracle is not going to happen, you got to still count it all joy. Because if God has promised a thing, he should he shall perform it. God is not a man. Now, I was, I was, that was very interesting to me. And I knew God is not a man. I know God is not a man. But the word of God says he's not a man that he should lie. He's not a man, period. He's spirit. But he's not a man that he should lie. And so what he says, he's going to make it good. And what keeps you steady is having your joy and faith and confidence in what God has told you. No matter what it looks like. So we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal and subject to change. But the things that are not seen are eternal. Glory to God. Amen. When you mix patience and faith together, you can outlast the devil. Well, then why is that? It's because you have to realize the devil doesn't have any patience. He's impatient. God gives us patience to endure. And he says, then if you stay on it, stay on his word, stay on what he promised you, don't look at the natural, look at the spiritual, and you should have what he said was going to come to pass. See, cause as far as God is concerned, it's already happened. He's just waiting for the, the due season. That's what you're waiting on, the due season for that thing to come to pass. Now, how can I do that? Well, here's what. There's a reason why you have to count it all joy. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, how can you count it all joy? Well, that's what we're going to go through. When you look at your problem and you say, and count it, one joy. You look at your family problems and you say, two joy. You look at your kids, and if you have three or four or five kids, you get three joy, four joy, five joy, six joy, seven joy. You look at your husband and go, eight joy. You look at your wife and go, eight joy. You look at your your job and you go nine joy. You know, you look at your finances and you go ten joy. You look at your health and you go eleven joy. You're counting all joy. You're not counting the situation joy, but you're saying out of this situation, it will be counted unto me as joy. Once translation says counted maximum joy. See, the Holy Spirit will have you laughing at the most unusual time. When the situation don't even look, it's, it's nothing to laugh. It's not a laughing matter. But the Holy Spirit will come upon you and bring that divine joy in you. And it will rise up in you and have you laughing at the situation. You know, the Word of God says when you laugh, uh, you know, you laugh at different situations, different trouble that comes, it throws the enemy in derision. It throws the enemy in where he says, what's going on? You know, they're supposed to be crying. They're supposed to be whining. They're supposed to be telling everybody their problems. They're supposed to be, and they're supposed to be, and they're supposed to be doing this, and they're supposed to be doing that. But the word of God says that you count it all joy. Job 5 and 22 says, 
and destruction and famine, thou or I shall lay. <laughs> That's a valuable lesson. When it looks like it's not working, you just laugh. Ha <laughs> ha, you just laugh at the situation. Now why do you laugh? I just read it in Job 5 and 22. It says, and destruction and famine, you should laugh. And I also told you that it throws the enemy into confusion or direction. He don't know how to handle it. You don't know what to do next. I mean, he's at, he's like at odds, you know, what's going on. He has no clue because he expects. See, the more pressure he puts on you and the more he expects you to respond to the pressure that's on you, then he, he gonna put more pressure on you if you think it's affecting you. But if you, he, you show him that your plan is not working, you declare and you decree and you laugh at it, he don't know what else to do. But in Philippians 4, it says the Apostle Paul says rejoice. You know, all through Philippians, the Apostle Paul would say rejoice, 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 rejoice. Now, this is a man that had went through many, many things that should have taken his life. I mean, he went through floods. He went through uh, times when he didn't have clothes. He was thrown in jail. He was beaten many times. He was shipwrecked many three times, you know. I mean, how can he count it all joy? Because he learned a valuable, valuable principle that's found in the Word of God. He understood that this is what other mighty men and mighty women of God did, and they saw victory. So one of our greatest keys surviving, surviving is joy. In 2 Corinthians 1 and 24, we'll go there. 2 Corinthians. And it says, not that we have dominion over your faith, but we are just helpers of your joy. For by faith he said. So he said, I didn't come to take dominion over your faith. I just came to help your joy out. I'm just a joy helper. The first Peter, 1 and 8, says, Yet believing, ye shall, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now there is a connection between believing and rejoicing. The Bible says, when you really believe, you rejoice. When you really believe what God is saying, you rejoice because you know you got the victory. This is never, if you know, if you needed $50,000, if you needed that, and you know somebody that you really trust, and you know somebody that's a person of that word, and they said, Deborah, I'm, I'm write a check for you. Monday morning, you can go and you can cash that check. It's going to be good. Now, would you be worrying about a light bill for $50 that's due Monday? Okay, let me, let me put it another way. Say, for instance, the word of God says that he supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ. And he said, in glory, there's everything you need. And I've already given my son to you. 
everything you ever need is already provided for you. Then your response should be the same as if somebody has just told you they gave you $50,000. Because you know God supplies all our needs according to his riches in glory. Now, are you going to believe man or are you going to believe God? I've always chosen to believe God over man. God over your eyes, over your circumstances. We get past all that. And we say, well, no matter what it looks like, we're going to stand on the word. You know, there's been many cases where people have lost many possessions. You know, homes, not because of something that they did, maybe because they lost a job, or, you know, they lost income, and they've, they've lost their houses, they lost, you know, things that were God had brought to them. They knew God had given them this house. They knew God had given them this car. They knew God had provided for them financially. They knew all that. But yet, somehow, through the midst of all that, it got taken away. And the response has got to still be the same. To count it all joy. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. So if Abraham and Isaac, when he asked Isaac to take him up and sacrifice him as an offering to God. And Abraham's response was, we shall go, but we, we shall come back again. He had that much confidence that God asked me to sacrifice my son. I know that he's going to bring him back alive. He's got to bring him because he's faithful to the covenant. See, our God is a covenant-keeping God. And what he says, he's going to do. You're not going to walk around all down and out, you know, poor pitiful me. See, that's how the devil operates. He wants you to think that there's no way out of your situation. And the way God wants you to always work the way we think he's going to work. He may not give you the money that you need. But you know what? Somebody may, he may give you favor. He may do a debt cancellation, a supernatural debt cancellation or something. See, there's nothing impossible with God. And if he gives you something, he's not going to let it allow it to be taken away when we're obedient to what he says. And if, if it's taken, then he's going to got to restore it. More than what the original thing was. Now I wonder how and when. That's a good question. This is how the devil tried to move you out of faith. He's so working with your mind. And he says, get you to wonder, I wonder how. I wonder when. When, you know, when is God going to do it? How? And he starts messing with you. And that's how you get into trouble because you start thinking, maybe I need to help God out. Get in, maybe I need to get three or four jobs. You know, you're trying to help him out. But what did God tell you? You know, we got to ask God about everything, everything. And that's how we keep the switch of faith turned on. we got to keep the switch of faith turned on. And we do that by counting all joy. Go with me to Luke 1 and 45. And here it is, this is Mary, and she found out she was with child. In 1 and 45 it says, she visited Elizabeth, and blessed is she that believed, for there should be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. See, when you believe the Lord and what he told you, he's going to perform that. It's not going to be what people are going to say, well, when is that going to come? Because it's going to come, and when it comes, it's going to be seen by everybody. It's like the promise of Jesus. And you are not the performer. Repeat after me. I'm not the performer. So you're just the belief. Guess your job is to believe. Your job is not to make it happen. That's God's job. That's the Holy Spirit's department. Our job is just to believe. See, there's no pressure on you to perform it. That thing which God has spoken to you. There's no pressure at all. The only pressure you're under is to keep the switch of faith turned on. And not let the devil help you and curse you to turn the switch of faith off. To keep the switch of faith turned on. When you believe, the pressure is on you to turn.
under pressure. I'm under pressure. This minister talk about this guy. He he'd exterminate him. And he came over and he said, I'm not your usual exterminator. He said, well, okay. He said, he said well, what happened to the usual exterminator? All that pressure, pressure, pressure. All the pressure, pressure. He said, you wouldn't believe how much pressure there is in killing bugs. <laughs> Even in bug killing. You know, he said, people want you to kill their bugs. They want you to kill them in the inside. They want you to kill them outside. There's pressure, pressure. So everybody got a measure of pressure. But the enemy tried to pull on everybody. Pressure. So the devil says it's not going to happen. See, that's how he says it's not going to happen. And it can't happen. Or you can try to get you to make it happen. See, we can't move in that realm. We can't move in that department. So go with me to Genesis 17. Because we want to talk about Abraham and the promises God made to him. So <laughs> Genesis 17. That was interesting. I wonder why God said, tell him to be perfect at this point. But he told him to be They go down to six. So now he wants to tell him. And I will make thee seemingly fruitful. And I will make nations of thee. And kings shall come out of thee. God is promising him something that he's been waiting for for a long time. And that's the promised son. He went ahead and at one point got out the will of God and tried to help God out. The devil put pressure on him. said, you know, you're not going to have a son. And then the devil uh, cooked up this plan with Sarah. She said, well, go into my hand maybe so he can have a son by this woman, Hagar. Because Sarah couldn't have children. And she conceived a child and had an Ishmael. So we got to avoid having Ishmaels in our life. We got to avoid doing things that cause the incomplete, perfect will of God to happen in our lives. We don't want to birth nothing or anything that's out of the will of God. And the devil always trying to get us to rush things, to rush ahead, and rush and do this, and rush and do that. And we're birthing, we, we don't want to be called birthing things that will cause us problems later on. We don't want to do anything that's out of the will of God. Verse 17 says, Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed. And he said in his heart, Shall a child be born of him that's a hundred years old? See, if he was 99, he knew by the time the child would be born, he had to at least be a hundred. He usually takes nine months to have a child. And shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bear? 18 says, And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. See, he's still trying to get up. And God is telling him he's going to have a son by Sarah. And he said, No, uh, let Ishmael inherit the be part of the covenant, be part of the promise. And 19, And God says, Sarah, and then he turns the name from Sarah to Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. And thou shalt call his name Isaac. And Isaac means master. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. 21 says, For my covenant I will establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at the set time in the next year. So he gave him a promise. He told him when it was going to happen. And God is sometimes specific to us and tells us when things are going to happen. Now if you read in Genesis 18, we're going to read right there. But this is where God shows up again. The Lord shows up again. With Sarah is listening at the door of the tent. And 12, she goes on to say Tell Abraham again and tell him that, you know, he's going to have a son. She said, I laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure with my Lord after being, and yet my Lord being old also. I thought that was funny because in, uh, one translation says, With Abraham being almost dead. <laughs> that means it is, there's nothing cooking in the kitchen. I mean, there's, there's nothing going on, you know. I mean, in the bedroom, you know. 
because we're, they were past that stage apparently in their life where she was, she could not have children and at that point he could not either. The Lord says, I heard you laugh. She said, I didn't laugh. He said, yes, I did. Yes, you did laugh too. He said, but he knows that you're going to see the promise. In Genesis 41, 5 and 6, and Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God has made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. Then she was laughing in unbelief. But now something happened within her. See, God gave her strength through laughter and she could see. That's why the joy of the Lord is so important. That's why we've got to keep joy. We, you know, no matter what's going on, God gave her joy to, re- to see that see and the and to bring forth and brush out the promise. He told him the name of Isaac. He laughed. I mean, ha ha. So ha ha was born. And there, and, and it goes on to say, Sarah says, and God has made me to laugh. So that all that hear would laugh. Everything he did during that time, when Isaac was growing up, they were really saying, ha ha. You know, ha ha. They were really laughing as the devil says the promise came to pass. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 says, Remember ye the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, and it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You know, when you're going through any situation, no matter how possible it looks to the natural eye, you have to focus all your strength and your mind upon the promise of God. And you have to be determined no matter how long it takes, I'm going to see the promise. I'm going to see the prophecy. I'm going to see the word of God fulfilled in my life. I don't care what it looks like now. I know God is bigger than what it looks like. Because God moves in the unseen to bring forth the things that are seen. He'll move situations. He'll move people around. He'll move finances around. He'll do all types of things in order to get people you promise. So no matter what we go through, we have to remember we're going to keep the switch of faith turned on. We're going to just keep it on. We're going to keep it on. We're going to write it down. We're going to confess it. We're going to declare it. We're going to quote it. We're going to memorize it. We're going to we're going to see it with our natural eye and we're going to see it in our spiritual eye. You know, we're going to get a visual image of what God is saying and what God is saying. It doesn't matter what the enemy says. You have to make this. I don't care what the enemy says, because he's lying. No matter what he says, he's going to twist it. He's going to lie. It's not going to be the truth. So we we're looking past of what he's saying, what he's trying to get us to believe, and we will only believe the word of the Lord. Now the word of God says, "Who reports should you believe?" And the response is, "We shall believe the report of the Lord." So no matter when people come and give you, no matter what the report is, no matter what people say. You have to know and be determined. I will believe the report of the Lord. All is well. No matter how you feel in your body, no matter what sickness try to come against a person, you have to believe, I will believe the report of the Lord. And we have to get this so in us that no matter what situation arises, we have peace in the midst of the storm. That's important. We must have peace. We have to count all joy and say, I'm not going to look at my checkbook. It says, even though you don't have nothing in the storm, nothing on the vine, he said, I will remember. I will remember what the Lord has said. I will remember what the Lord has done. I will remember that it's going to come to pass. It will come to pass. What God promised, it will come to pass. And so 
But we got to remember not to let the devil trick us into unbelief. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If this message has been encouraging and a blessing to you, be sure to subscribe. And thank you for your generous financial support.